0: This is episode 5, Good to Great, or The Power of Building
1: Intentional Momentum. So welcome again to Ambassadors of Joy, to another joyful journey through the world of business and spirituality, where we talk about how to be practical with our spiritual pursuit and also be very playful and have fun with our business pursuits as well. My name is Amy and I'm Priya and we are so excited today to bring you
0: a book called Good to Great by Jim Collins. Okay, so before we dive into the book and why we came across this book and chose it for this podcast, Amy,
1: did you want to lead us through an intention? I would love to. So, let's take a moment to set our intention for the day and for this podcast. I would love to invite you to set the intention to laugh more because more laughter means less stress, more motivation and just more connection to yourself and the world around you. That is beautiful.
0: Let us meditate on that intention for a few seconds after the chimes. Okay, so let's laugh today. Yes. Let us laugh.
1: I love laughing. I love laughing, too. It um, makes
0: everything so much easier.
1: It does. My <laughs> my mom is the best at laughing. I think my my dad said the, the reason why he was attracted to her the first time ever was that he heard her laugh <laughs> in school down the hallway <laughs> and she's like she's like whoa what is that what is that laughter, is that laughter? I must go find right. out who it is I was like wow mom you were able to attract someone just with the the sound of your laugh the high vibration yes laughter <laughs> is super high vibration
0: I love that so yes. Amy I think that this book good to great was recommended to you
1: it is recommended to me. So I work at a company called Olivela, is a luxury e-commerce store, a startup, and is founded by this woman named Stacy Boyd. And she's very philanthropic, very loving person. And she has created many other businesses related to education. And this is actually one of her favorite books. And she said that this has led her to the many successes that she has achieved in her life. And she obviously gave me a copy. And full disclosure, I've actually read this book. So Priya's never read it before, but I have read it. But I would love for her to kind of skim through it today on this podcast so that we could have a conversation about it. And I actually recommended that we do pick this book because one, Stacy, a, a very successful CEO, has read this book. And the purpose of our podcast is to kind of read books that would inspire other CEOs or current CEOs to read. And then another thing is there's these concepts in the book that I've read that just kept reminding me of some of the things that we have been learning in the law of attraction. This concept of flywheel, which sounds very much like a high-flying disc of high vibrational energies. It reminds me of an exercise bike and spin class. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. A spin class as well. I'm sure there's some It'll high-flying <laughs> you know, energy there as well. But yeah, I would love, love to read through this book. And also, another thing to know is that it's sold 3 million copies. It's written by Jim Collins. And the tagline actually says, Why Some Companies Make the Leap and others don't. And the premise of the book studies 11 companies that consistently outperformed for 15 plus years on 3 to 18x, better than other companies in their own markets. So I mean, they study these companies for a long time. So I think there's a lot of value in the book. I loved reading it. And I would love to look at it again with you through a spiritual lens.
0: This is terrific. I am so excited to get started here. One of our inspired actions from the last episode that we did was to look at things in a nonlinear fashion. And so I'm going to take that approach with this book. <laughs> I love that. And I'm going to jump down Straight to chapter 8 of 9, which is about the flywheel and the doom
1: loop. Because you have been
0: talking so much about the flywheel that I really want to read this section here.
1: I don't remember the doom loop, but that sounds fascinating to me. It sounds like the
0: flip of the flywheel. Yes. So, we're starting chapter 8, the flywheel and the doom loop. (laughs) Picture a huge, heavy flywheel. A massive metal disc mounted horizontally on an axle about 30 feet in diameter, two feet thick and weighing about 5,000 pounds. Now imagine that your task is to get the flywheel rotating on the axle as fast and as long as possible. Pushing with great effort, you get the flywheel to inch forward moving almost imperceptibly at first. You keep pushing and, after two or three hours of persistent effort, you get the flywheel to complete one entire turn. You keep pushing and the flywheel begins to move a bit faster. And with continued great effort, you move it around a second rotation. You keep pushing in a consistent direction, three turns, four, five, six. 9, 10, the flywheel builds up speed. It builds momentum, 11, 12, moving faster with each turn, 20, 30, 50, 100. Then, at some point, breakthrough. (laughs) The momentum, (laughs) woohoo, the momentum of the thing kicks in your favor. Hurling the flywheel forward, turn after turn, whoosh. It's, I love the words in this, <laughs> it's own heavy weight working for you. You're pushing no harder than during the first rotation, but the flywheel goes faster and faster. Each turn of the flywheel builds upon work done earlier, compounding your investment of effort. A 1,000 times faster, then 10,000, then 100,000. The huge heavy disc flies forward with almost unstoppable momentum. Now, suppose someone came along and asked, what was the one big push that caused this thing to go so fast? Amy's looking at me with a smirk on her face. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You wouldn't be able to answer. It's just a nonsensical question. Was it the first push, the second, the fifth, the hundredth? No. It was all of them added together in an overall accumulation of effort applied in a consistent direction. Some pushes may have been bigger than others, but any single heave, no matter how large, reflects a small fraction of the entire cumulative effect upon the flywheel.
1: What did you think of that?
0: Oh my gosh, it reminds me of so many different <laughs> things that we've discussed. Been learning, yeah. So many different things, including some that I wouldn't have thought would be triggered by this. Let's start by talking about the energy part of it. Yes. yes. And so I know that you, I would love to hear you talk about it, Amy, because I know that you've been thinking about the flywheel and in in terms of energy and momentum. And we've been talking about through our spiritual journey Mm -hmm. about how everything, I actually had this realization, I think it was a couple of months ago. I don't remember exactly when, a couple or a few months ago. And it was actually when I was on the phone with you, Amy. Mm -hmm. And We were talking about a few different spiritual concepts, and my entire body just started to feel really peaceful. Wow. And I started to be able to breathe very deeply. Sometimes I feel like my breaths are very shallow, and I have some kind of blockages in my throat chakra area. And, and And we were talking, and for some reason, I had this realization that dawned on me that Everything, everything is energy. Wow. And everything is the flow of energy. And there's either energy or blockages of energy. And so, you know, the more that I thought about that concept and started to think about the world in that way, the more simple and sensical everything became. More clarity. More clarity. Yes. And yes. so I know that there are obviously this this concept of the flywheel touches mm-hmm. on energy and then further on momentum.
1: Yes. I love this flywheel concept. And when I first read this, I obviously wasn't as deep in my spiritual practice as I am today. And I was like, Okay, I get it. But I didn't understand truly how to apply it because when like you said, when you understand everything or look at the world in terms of energy, then it simplifies it for you. And so I recommended this book because I was like, somewhere in there tells me that the flywheel has something to do with these concepts we're now integrating into our lives, which has to do with energy and momentum. Let's kind of dive into that a little deeper. So when we are working on an idea or we are trying to make a business happen and we have some sort of lofty goal, this goal is what is represented in this sense by the flywheel. Ah, uh,
0: so the goal is the flywheel itself.
1: I believe so. It's like how you envision your business to be operating, maybe like five to ten years down the road. You guys are now scaling massively, touching the lives of many people. Mm-hmm. That the wheel
0: is turning. The wheel Tens is turning. Of thousands yes, of rotations. and you have
1: you know maybe many people working with you. And the other episode we were talking about in Daniel Pink's book, if your company is a brain. Now it has one quadrillion connections that is happening at all times, playing this beautiful orchestra that you don't even need to think twice about because, like you said, it's a flywheel. It oh my just gosh. runs.
0: You are making me have so many thoughts right now that are so... Because I see this around with CEOs that you know I, I work with, or founders that I work with, where they have exactly what you're talking about now. You know, we have the vision of this flywheel working, mm-hmm. but there is just so much gap in between where we are now and Versus where fly that vision is. is. Yes. And it seems like so many times and so many instances, that flywheel seems so unattainable, even though we have that as a goal, that we don't even take the
1: steps, any steps, to get from where we are to that right. flywheel. So 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 let's think of it that way. You have the flywheel, it looks really big and heavy, but it's metal and steel, yeah. according according to Jim Collins. And you maybe you you have a startup of three people, right? right? Like how intimidating does it seem to be going up to the flywheel and say okay you push or no you push or okay let's try to push this thing together yeah and then you have to amass more people more ideas to kind of like add to it add the momentum to it mm-hmm. so it starts turning and turning but it does look very intimidating very and daunting. Un- and unachievable sometimes yeah. in the beginning stages mm-hmm. so in terms of energy and how that works. I mean, even that visual of you physically pushing energy onto and adding energy to it, it's very similar to what we're trying to articulate here. Whatever dream or whatever vision we have, whatever goal we want to achieve in our lives and accomplish in our lives is represented by this flywheel. And if you start thinking about all the ways that you cannot make it turn, you add resistant energy to it. You're basically going in the other direction. If there's positive momentum um, energy, there's also negative momentum energy that can stop you from Mm -hmm. moving forward. Mm -hmm. So that is kind of how I think about it. What we call
0: the blockages. The blockages.
1: Correct. Correct. So if you can actually look beyond the blockages and say, okay, if I just kind of take a little bit of inspired action and put some positive energy to it and believe that after a couple of pushes that it will actually start turning, even though I don't, because in the terms of energy, when you're thinking about something in your mind and there's some sort of delay time before it actually starts to spin in terms of the flywheel for you. It doesn't start moving right away. And you feel like, oh my gosh, it's so hard.
0: Like nothing's happening. (laughs) And it takes more time in the beginning too. The gap is greater in the beginning.
1: There's buffer time between, you know, what you're thinking about is going to happen and it happening, right? It's
0: exactly similar to the conversation we were having earlier today about even in the spiritual journey and our lessons in the spiritual journey to make things happen in our lives Mm -hmm. and how now we're starting to be able to... To point to things and imagine things that we want. And they're just happening instantaneously. Yes. But in the beginning, it was not like that. The beginning, it's like, what are we doing? How oh, are we doing yeah, it? We're we asking all it? these questions. That and it is just... taking so long. Okay, <laughs> yes. sorry, too, but that was. No, a, that's yeah, great. It's the same. Yes.
1: It's the same premise. So I just love, love, love this analogy, because it's such a visual way for for us to envision and make this non visual thing that we call energy a little bit more visual in our minds, right? Mm -hmm. When you're thinking about it as in terms of a flywheel versus this kind of Goal in your mind, this vision that hasn't manifested yet. It's there. The flywheel is there. I love that it says that it's a steel wheel and you can push it. And, and it's can, there. And it's there. And yes. you can add momentum. So, whatever dream that you have, whatever goal that you have, it's there. It's yours. It's yours for the taking. You just need to start putting and directing your focus and your energy towards it. And continue to add more momentum to it by focusing more energy to it and it will pick up and I love that Jim Collins said that it's not one thing it's not one push it's not the second it's not the fifth it's everything it's the momentum that gets it going that brings it closer to you
0: yeah and this also reminds me of how we oftentimes think about how some of our actions have failed. And we attach the word failure to those actions because we feel like they didn't lead to the end result, to the flywheel that we are talking about. But what we don't stop to think about and understand is that for every action that we think didn't lead to the flywheel, it actually did because it guided Mm -hmm. us to the next action that we should take. Maybe even by ruling something out. Yes. So this concept, I feel like, especially how you have translated it, Amy, for us in terms of energy and momentum and not focusing on the resistance or the blocks, but keeping our eye on the flywheel, our mind's eye on the flywheel. Mm -hmm. And this idea of just accepting that if we do that and keep our mind's eye on the flywheel, all of our deliberate inspired actions that we take are contributing to the formation of that flywheel. Yes. And
1: the momentum of getting it going. So And the momentum of getting it going.
0: Yes. Amy, I would love to also have us talk about the vision board, because I know it's an exercise that you've done. (laughs) And now talking about the flywheel, I don't know if this is something that you've connected that those two dots in the past. But almost to me, the vision board is like of creating a flywheel for what you want.
1: Yes, because you're adding details to it. So a vision board is something that a lot of people have used to really articulate and put a visual in front of them as to how they want their life to become in maybe six months, 12 months, or even in a couple of years, right? So before I did my own vision board, I thought it was like, what is this? I could always visualize what I want. I It's in my head. I don't need to print it out and put it on a board and you know, direct my attention to it. But it has really helped me once I embraced it. A lot of times, you know, when you talk about spirituality, people think that is like some sort of like rah-rah, woo-woo thing. <laughs> and, and they're like, it's not something that is like physical or tangible to them. So they're like, no, I'm not going to do that. That doesn't sound like me. But then when you start to embrace it, you start to make the connection between the physical and the non-physical. I think the vision board is a way to kind of bridge that gap for those of us who are starting to embrace the non-physical energies as those energies do help us manifest what it is that comes into the physical reality for us and it is that bridge. So you're right, Priya, that that vision board is a really good example of what that flywheel is. So if you don't like looking at a steel wheel, <laughs> that Jim Collins... Better yet, make a vision yeah, board. Yeah, just like maybe plaster some vision, like images like vision boards on the steel wheel. <laughs> and, and you can have this visual that connects you, vibrationally connects you, to where you are today and where you want to be in like tomorrow's time. And Vision board is essentially a
0: picture collage of, it can be, it can be anything you want it to be. You know, everybody can put their own flavor into it, but it can be as simple as a collage of pictures that represent things that are your goals.
1: Yes. And I want all of us to really understand that the vision board isn't really dictating the exact item that you might be wanting there, is really translating the vibrational match to the item right so and
0: helping you focus your your thoughts, thoughts and, and your energy on that
1: flywheel to correct get it to
0: start moving
1: in that direction in that direction correct because you, you attract the things that you are a vibrational match for right so the more at detail that you can add to this energy vibrational match the more you can not have wasted Energy, for instance, like Mm -hmm. you don't, you don't, you don't have to focus on things that may not be in alignment with what it is that you have envisioned. And it's great for something like the flywheel because it sounds like there's more than one people pushing this thing, right? In a company context, right? So if you own a business, you know, let let alone your own life's vision board, your own life's vision board actually needs like your friends and your family and your, and maybe your significant other to help you. (laughs) Yeah, there. and that goes back to this feeling of abundance
0: too that we've talked about before abundance is actually all of those things working together to make yes, us yes yes
1: yeah. so there's so many elements and and that's why Jim Collins said there's not one silver yeah. bullet it's there's not one thing that got us to this flywheel situation where it's just spinning on its own it's many many things and we have to be open to these many yes. many things. I was just thinking the same thing. (laughs) Yes.
0: We don't always know how and what is going to push the flywheel but the key is to focus our intentions on the momentum and picking up the flywheel and pursuing that flywheel and then these things around us will, will start to manifest these opportunities and so the more we can stay open to these opportunities and accepting them and letting them pop up in our awareness the more that we have our intentions set on that group of things you know the more the flywheel will start to turn and rotate from different areas of our life yes that
1: is so beautiful so what is our first inspired action so our first
0: inspired action is to create a vision board for your goals where this vision board is really a manifestation of your flywheel what that is for you it's really that bringing your flywheel into some kind of physical reality to help you start to set your intentions to get the momentum of the flywheel.
1: I love Lord. that. I love that you're adding this visual element to it because, yeah, this, that steel wheel <laughs> just felt a little cold to me for okay. me to push. We studied mechanical <laughs> engineering. Yes. Steel
0: wheels are beautiful. Oh, yes. Let me
1: polish that, give it a little shine. Well, I love it. Let's do that. Yes.
0: So I also wanted to touch on something else that this reminded me of, which is a slightly different take on it. So this one sentence that says, it was all of them added together in an overall accumulation of effort applied in a consistent direction. There's so much in there. (laughs) There There's so much in this. And... The thought that I'm having now is more on the spiritual journey end. Mm, Tell me And yeah, so I'm seeing all of these actions that come together under this overarching umbrella of the direction that the flywheel represents. And the more that I pursued my spiritual journey and we've been having these conversations and moving forward with that and learning more, the more I think of my entire life as being under the umbrella of spiritual development, mm. including my family, my friends, my line of work or play, as we like mm-hmm. to call it, yes, my relationships, my hobbies, for me, all of those are becoming channeled that are a part of this overarching spiritual development of my life each of those is a channel under that overarching umbrella and this is something that there's a study of a type of meditation called heartfulness Mm. which I've been studying for the last year or so year and a half maybe and the Daji, the leader, the master of the heartfulness area of study right now talks about this as well. And he talks about, I think he's answering a similar question in one of the workshops that he's doing and one of the talk that he's giving in terms of how can I pursue my spirituality when I have all of these other things in my life <laughs> that are fighting for my time and my effort. Yes. And so he rephrases that and is like, think of all of these things as a part of your spiritual journey, as adding to your spiritual journey, as under the umbrella, as different channels under the overarching umbrella of your spiritual journey.
1: Yes, because they're all here to teach us so many lessons. And the more we reflect on those lessons and the more we integrate those lessons into our daily lives the more we expand and the more that we grow so i love to touch on this word spirituality a mm-hmm. little bit because i love that. yeah I think there's a lot of misconception out there that when we use the word spirituality, people are like, okay, so are you Buddhist? Are you Christian? Are you, <laughs> you know, like, do you, you what know. What are you? What label can right. we apply? Like, do, you, so that we do you have to do some certain things in the morning before you can partake in, you know, other things in the evening? So there's all these things that people have thought about when you use the word spirituality. And I'm just like, no, actually. Spirituality has nothing to do with what you believe, but everything to do with your state of consciousness. Oh
0: my gosh, that is I haven't heard that before. Yeah, it's actually from Eckhart Tolle. <gasps> yes. Watch the first episode. <laughs> yes, Tolle yes, and you yes,
1: Oh my gosh, every sentence he says is gold. Wow. Yeah, so I, I love that he rephrased it this way. So I I would love for anyone who's listening to this podcast to really let that sink in. When Priya and I use the word spirituality, when we live within or under this umbrella of spirituality, what we're talking about is this state of consciousness that give us more clarity, that help us attract more well-being into our lives that helps us take care of our state of being so that we can help others and serve others around us not through a religion not through a strict practice but through this state of consciousness that is wonderful and
0: having this spiritual more spiritual clarity and thinking about The things that I do in my life as a part of my spiritual journey has really helped me personally. And I know both of us, Amy, it's been a guide for us to understand what work is right for us to do and is aligned with who we are. Because now we're more and more thinking about like you mentioned service. Mm -hmm. and thinking about things in terms of service. And we've talked about service paradigm before. But for us, I know we believe so much in uplifting others. And so now we can use that if if part of our spiritual journey is manifesting our ability to uplift others, then the work that we do, the things that we play with, our creations Mm -hmm. under that umbrella they also should contribute to this overarching goal of uplifting others and if it's something that's not doing that then it doesn't it's not aligned with our larger goals
1: yeah and it is so clear i have i wake up with so much clarity each morning that i don't dread Getting out of bed. I used to dread getting out of bed, but because of the way that we have been approaching our lives and the things that we talk about, the people that we have around us that we're able to attract and invite into this experience has been so incredibly uplifting on its own. And it's very easy for us to kind of translate that back out into the world and broadcast that type of vibration into the lives of others. So, yeah, that is so wonderful. That's, that's from like one passage. <laughs>
0: it is. I love this. Yes. That's why we love doing this. So I think the second inspired action coming out of this is to think about how all of the different elements and channels in your life come together under the umbrella of your spirituality. And to use the spiritual umbrella as a guide to develop clarity on
1: which channels to pursue Mm -hmm. and how to pursue them. Yes, yes. And to remember that spirituality doesn't have to be dedicated to a single religion it is really a state of consciousness and religion can help with that but Priya and I myself don't really adhere to one specific we learn from all of them mm-hmm. and it's really a state of mind that helps us to gain this sense of clarity and we're still learning every yeah. single day and we're growing. learning
0: as we do these podcast episodes yes yes They're super enlightening for us, too.
1: So wonderful to be having this wonderful conversation with all of you. And I'm going to continue on this book because we only read like one passage. So let me go to the table of contents and pick something that speaks out to me. Let's see. Can I talk about the doom loop? I was going to suggest that. So that is perfect. Let's do it. So the flywheel and the doom loop is, you know, we live in a 3D world and we like duality and that's contrast, right? So so let me just go back to that. Oh, wow. You landed on that page serendipitously. Nothing happens, (laughs) you know, as a coincidence. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the doom loop. Oh my gosh. I'm going to post a photo of this in the article that we're going to be writing along with the show notes because there's this image of both of the flywheel and of the doom loop. loop. So Mm -hmm. I think it'll be really great to kind of have that visual for you guys as well because I'm looking at this doom loop image and it's quite fascinating. Okay. So it says here, we found a very different pattern at the comparison companies against the flywheel. I think that's that's the introduction sentence. Instead of a quiet, deliberate process of figuring out what needed to be done and then simply doing it, the comparison companies frequently launched new programs, often with great fanfare and hoopla aimed at motivating the troops only to see the programs fail to produce sustained results. They sought the single defining action, the grand program, the one killer innovation, the miracle moment that would allow them to skip the arduous build up stage and jump right to breakthrough. They would push the flywheel in one direction, then stop, change course, and throw it in a new direction. And then they would stop, change course, and throw it into yet another direction. Oh my direction. gosh, we've
0: seen this so many times. Oh my gosh, this, <laughs>
1: this is fascinating. After years of lurching back and forth, the comparison companies failed to build sustained momentum and fell behind into what we came to call the doom loop. Ooh, dun-dun-dun. yes. So consider the case of Warner-Lambert, the direct comparison company to Gillette. In 1979, Warner-Lambert told Businessweek that it aimed to be a leading consumer products company. One year later, in 1980, it did an abrupt about-face and turned its sights on healthcare instead, saying, Our flat-out aim is to go after Merck, Lily smith Klein." everybody, and his brother. In 1981, the company reversed course yet again and returned to diversification and consumer goods. Six years later, in 1987, Warner Lambert did another U-turn away from consumer goods to try once again to be like Merck. At the same time, the company spent three times as much on consumer goods advertising as on R&D, a somewhat puzzling strategy for a company trying to beat Merck. In the early 1990s, reacting to Clinton-era healthcare reform, the company threw itself into reverse yet again and re-embraced diversification and consumer brands. Each new Warner Lambert CEO brought his own new program and halted the momentum of his predecessor. Warhagen tried to create a breakthrough with an expensive acquisition in the hospital supply business in 1982. Three years later, his successor, Joe Williams, extracted Warner Lambert from the hospital supply business and took a 550000000 million write-off. He tried to focus the company on beating Merck. But his successors threw the company back to diversification and consumer goods. And so it went back and forth, lurch and thrash, with each CEO trying to make a mark with his own program. Wow! So
0: this is really interesting to me. And I'm glad that we're diving a little bit deeper into this. And I think maybe this is a topic in some ways, this angle that we haven't really looked at together. So I'm super excited for our discussion that we're having. With all of the stuff that we have been able to do, you and I, Amy, with our lives and the skills that we've built up and the great projects that we've worked on, we have also ourselves personally struggled with this concept of starting to tackle different things Mm -hmm. and jumping from one thing to another thing to another thing. And we know that there are a lot of people, particularly characteristics of CEOs, Mm -hmm. where they will also do that very thing, launch one concept, then another concept, then another campaign, then another campaign, then something else. Now, my first question here for us to dissect is why?
1: Why do we all do that? Well... I would like to propose one possible answer, and I think there's many answers, right? Of course. But one of the reasons why I believe, from just experience, is almost our impatience to see the flywheel working. It's like we plant something on the ground, we put some seeds in the land, and we're like, "Okay, where's the tomato? Right? Like, why isn't there a tomato right now?" I just put the seed in the ground. I watered it. What's going on? It's that type of impatience. And, and I know that in Silicon Valley or just in general, the startup world, there is so much pressure from investors and board members and advisors that is breathing down our neck saying, okay, where is the hockey stick trajectory <laughs> that you promised us? Yesterday, <laughs> where right. is it today? I want to see it. Like, how, how can you show me all these things that is going to get you there? And so they would sell this with all these distractions because they're also under a lot of stress, I believe. And, and making things happen immediately. So then they have a story to tell. You know, to the investors, to themselves, to even their family, to their wives, to their their children, right? Whatever it is that is holding them to that energy. So...
0: And I think yeah. also, so this also reminds me of a couple of different themes. Firstly, that our society and our culture in general promotes instant gratification. Mm-hmm. That's how everything works, from the social media on our phones to exactly what you're talking about here is return on investment and results. And a lot of times we hear these success stories of people of businesses, Overnight success and yes. we, we see them as overnight success, but we fail to realize the long 10 path years and the many turns <laughs> and all of the consistent effort that it took them to get that flywheel moving in the first place. We only see the flywheel moving at a thousand turns a second.
1: Right. We and we're don't like, oh, we, see. Never, we never heard of this brand before. So it must have been an overnight success. And we don't take the time to trace back how many years did it take
0: yeah. for,
1: for that momentum to build.
0: And how many... Other things that seemingly were not adding to the flywheel before the flywheel started turning.
1: Yes. Yeah, And I have to kind of talk about that a little bit more in, in reflection to my own spiritual journey. As I was starting on this journey, I think I was, I feel like I was in a doom loop for a while. Um, <laughs> or, or maybe this like place of confusion because there's all these new concepts that just you know, fought against what society has taught me to be. Society really promoted this, like we said in the last episode, this left brain and parts of ourselves. And when I was approached by these spiritual concepts, I had the sense of wonder, I approached it, but I just did not know how to move forward. And I, I was like, what? And you were like, but I have
0: to move forward now because that's what you were trained to think like.
1: Yes, exactly. And I had to practice so much patience. Yeah. I think my husband actually went to Europe with his family and he asked me to join. And I've never been to Europe outside of Amsterdam. So, I mean, instinctively, if it was me maybe a year ago. I would be like, yeah, let's go. Let's go play. Let's go hang out in Europe. But this year when he asked me that, I said no i'm going to stay in my apartment and i'm going to practice stillness and solitude and silence <laughs> and when i told people that they're like what are you doing <laughs> and i was like you, you guys i just have to do this I, your brother is like
0: you're not going to become a monk
1: oh my gone, gosh you? <laughs> oh my gosh Who's Not an easy conversation to have with anyone around me, but I I was actually very excited that my husband was leaving for an extended period of time (laughs) and I can practice. Is he listening to this episode? (laughs) He should. He he better, just kidding. He can do whatever he wants. But um, but I, (laughs) I could add 21 days in my calendar into my life to be still. Yeah, And to really let myself figure out what it is that I am so confused about and to quiet my mind and get myself out of this doom loop that I thought I was going into because I just didn't understand how to integrate some of these new concepts into my life. Yeah,
0: And this is such a perfect concept to be talking about because I am remembering how one of my CEO friends, he has been pursuing his spiritual journey as well. But he has these notions and talked about how this concept of doesn't meditation actually prevent you from being successful in your business? Doesn't it take away your motivation, your motivation, your drive to
1: succeed? So many people say that. So many people say that and, or, and believe that they and believe they actually that. believe that and that is why they they have this you know reaction when you tell them, oh yeah I'm meditating' um, or I meditate they look at you as if it's like oh you're not you're not a normal person you're not. <laughs> Right. And FYI, a lot of the really top
0: performers meditate every day. Yes. They take that time for themselves. But this flywheel example, this doom loop example, is the perfect answer to that question and the perfect resolution because that lack of patience... That causes us to not allow the flywheel Mm. to do its work, to not allow, this is also the art of allowance, to not allow those actions to fully manifest to the point where that flywheel starts rotating.
1: In the positive direction. In the
0: positive direction, that lack of patience, that lack of stillness, is what causes us to chase the second flywheel, the third flywheel, the fourth flywheel. In the end, all coming back and not having succeeded at At any any one of one of them. Yes. At any one of them. Yes. And the reason is the lack of patience. And how do we practice patience? How do we practice stillness? How do we gain clarity? It's through taking the time
1: to do things like meditate. And to just pause. Even 5 to to 10 minutes a day. The way that we set our intentions is to reset, really, our energies. Right when you meditate, and honestly, if you don't want to meditate, I I, I just tell people to take a nap. <laughs> when you, when you to, add, to start, to start <laughs> because when you take a nap, you are actually pausing your mind, and, and that is gold. That is better than going throughout your day and adding momentum to some things that you may not even have clarity on. Right. And that
0: is what And that then requires
1: more effort and effort in the in the direction
0: that isn't going to take you to where you want to be.
1: Right. And that is actually the creation of the doom loop. Yeah. Right. Like when you are just creating by default, you don't have a clear mind. You don't feel well. You don't have well being. You don't feel like you are free to express yourself in your full alignment. Then this doom loop is just it's tapping you on the shoulder, and you're gonna engage with it without knowing that without even being aware. Yes, you're gonna be sucked into it.
0: Yeah. And yes. It's so fascinating, and that brings us to our third inspired action, which is. Tr- to practice patience and stillness every day. Pause your mind. Take time to pause and reset every day. Meditate. It yes. all adds clarity
1: and awareness, and it helps your flywheel turn. Yes. And the beautiful part about that is once you've actually practiced a little bit of patience and know how to pause and reflect and gain some more clarity in the process of that, your flywheel will come So much faster, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so much faster. You probably don't even require patience for it in the future when it comes to you because you'll just be like, oh, (laughs) it's arrived. (laughs) How did that happen? (laughs) And you're going to be so delighted. So, these are just like things that's happening to us right now. I I, I don't want to say it's happening to us because we actually made it happen.
0: Right.
1: Because we are practicing some of these things. We're allowing the art of allowance. The art of allowance. Yes. Yes. The stillness and the patience is giving you that discipline to manifest. To practice allowance, the art of allowance. And it's just so, so beautiful.
0: Amy, this has been such an amazing episode. Our intention in the beginning was to laugh more. And I definitely had laughed throughout <laughs> this episode
1: because it was so cool. I'm smiling more as well, not just laughing. And I'm going to carry it with me throughout the rest of like the week. And into everything that i do
0: and we hope you all do too so let's take a moment here to summarize our three inspired actions and then to take a few seconds to let those intentions sink in with the the chimes that you'll play for us amy which are so wonderful So the first inspired action was to create a vision board for your goals. And this is like bringing your flywheel into its physical manifestation, into your reality. The second inspired action was to think about how all of the channels in your life come together under the umbrella of your spirituality to use your spirituality as a guide to develop clarity on which channels to pursue and to think about spirituality as a state of consciousness and the third inspired action is to practice patience and stillness pause your mind take time to do that every day meditate
1: this adds clarity and helps your flywheel chart and as i mentioned feel free to nap if meditation is too foreign to you at the moment take a nap to reset resetting will help you attract more positive energies
0: resetting is so beautiful Yes, and it can do wonders and I think we can do that right now. We can do that right now, the yes. chimes.
1: Yes, the chimes, we can reset the our energy. The time energies. for chime has come. Yes. I, oh, I love that. I <laughs> love that rhyme. Sesame Street. Oh, that's another episode. Yes. All right, here we go.
0: Thank you so much for joining us on this beautiful journey with the Ambassadors of Joy. We are so happy you're here with us. Please like us, love us, share us, rate us wherever you listen to our podcast. And we hope to see you next time. Thank you.